Good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. My name is Chris. I'm glad to be with you. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5. Uh, we're going to look at a, a familiar passage in the first part of Luke's gospel. But before we do that, I just want to give an update and ask you to, to help us by praying with us about some important stuff that, that is coming down the tracks here at Trinity. Um, many of you are probably aware uh, that I stepped away from the life of our church for about four months and um, had a, an unplanned sabbatical or leave of absence due to burnout and all kinds of stuff going on in me and in my own heart and in my own life. And I just want to say that I stand before you today in a really settled and, and grounded place. Like, I'm, I'm doing really well. And a lot of people have asked about that, and I think it's important for you to hear that. Um, change and, and transition, even, you know, when you don't choose it, uh, is, is good for our hearts. And I think for me, um, hitting that season where I just kind of hit the wall and couldn't keep going, uh, as painful as that was, it's really, really, really good and really fruitful in my own heart. And so I stand before you today feeling more, um, more aware of my own life and heart, more aware of my own desire, uh, more aware of how I feel like I'm called to, to be um, in ministry and, and to lead. And similarly, um, our church is going through a kind of um, discernment, um, working under the hood with our vestry and our leadership team. And I think that it's a really, really important thing for us to invite you into praying about this stuff. Um, Trinity, you know, started in a, in a living room, and now we've got this, this congregation and church plants that have come out of our midst and a lot more complexity than we were in those early days. And um, we've the need to really um, ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom on how we might, in our own understanding of how our, we're organized, how we're going to do our life together going forward in leadership, kind of over in the offices and with our vestry, we need help to figure that out. Um, and so we've asked this really wise guy, um, not like a wise guy like in the gangster movies, but um, a really wise and godly man who serves as an organizational consultant who also loves Jesus like crazy. And I think he's coming to love us in our church like crazy to help us. Um, it's one of those moments in life where you realize like if we could figure it all out like by ourselves, we probably would. And so we need help to figure it out. So Jim, his name is Jim Wirt, and he's been working with us for actually a couple of months now. And we've got some meetings coming up in the next few weeks where he's going to be sharing findings with our vestry and what he's learning about us and some ways that he would propose for us to organize our life together going forward. And we would just ask you to pray with us and for us and for Jim and our leadership team and our vestry and our bishop as we're kind of wrestling with how do we fix um, a life moving forward under the hood so that we can serve you guys uh, better and to serve you well and to serve you within the gifts that God has given all of us. And I just want to say to you that I feel really, really hopeful and excited about what God is doing and what he's going to do in this church. Y'all, Trinity's been a story that God's been telling for 20 years. And change and sort of evolution in that process is a very healthy way to engage the life of the church. Like I'm very aware that like what got us here probably won't get us there. And yet we don't exactly know how to order and organize those parts of our life together. So we've just done what everybody ought to do. We've asked for help. And so we have a vestry meeting coming up on the 15th. 
um, of February. So it's like a Valentine's party, I think, um, of sorts. And we're going to begin to take some steps there. And then our bishop's going to be coming into town to help us with some stuff. And our leadership team's going to be praying and wrestling together about how we order our life together. And I would just ask you to pray. Um, I know that liminal spaces, those transition spaces, are usually where God really works. I know that's been true in my own life, and I think um, and feel really hopeful and excited that that's true for Trinity as well. Um, This is a really good church full of really good people. Just as I look out at your faces, I just feel so honored and blessed to be a part of the story that God is telling. And our leadership team believe that, you know, soon enough we're going to be able to take these masks off. Um, new mayor, you know, deciding new rules and new laws for Atlanta. And right now we don't want to break the law. So we're wearing masks and we're taking this thing serious. I had COVID last week, um, kicked my rear in for about 10 days. And now I'm licking doorknobs and hugging people. Um, so we're aware that we're probably on the cusp of like a lot of freedom and change and kind of a renewed sense of what our future looks like together as we move through the pandemic and we get back to something that approximates like robust life together. And we just think the Lord's going to help us get where he wants us to go. So pray for us, pray for our church, and we'll keep you in the loop. We're really excited about what God's doing. If you have your Bibles, turn to to Luke 5. Um, We're going to read a familiar passage of scripture and then pray. And then um, this week, for me at least, this has been very relevant and practical. So I'm going to like march right through the text because I think Jesus actually wants to get in your boat. I know he's in mine and it's a little uncomfortable sometimes when he gets in our boat, uh, as we will see with our brother Peter. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gethsemane and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way ashore. And then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down, away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. So also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. God, we do give you thanks for the Bible. We specifically give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for this story where you come close to Peter. You come close to these friends that you were pursuing. God, we pray that we would see our story in Peter's story and James and John's story, that we would... Um, See, Jesus, that there are times in life where you come to us um, in a manner that's very similar to how you approach them. Help us to have eyes to see today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to throw more sequencing at you today because I actually think it's really important that we walk through this whole story. Because I think this story, in many respects, might serve as a microcosm of how God is wanting to work in your own life. What he may be wanting to do, maybe what he is actually doing in your life right now. So here's the first thing I think we're meant to sit with. Jesus gets into Simon's boat. 
um, he's preaching on the edge of the lake and there are people all around him. And so um, he gets in a boat and, and probably puts it out a little bit from the shore. And we're seeing like ancient like sound system at play here. Water uh, is like a, a conductor of voice. And so sound waves travel over water if you've ever been on a lake. And um, you say something to someone like over water, oftentimes your voice is able to be heard. So Jesus is actually probably using like a, a, a pulpit, like a sound amplifier, and he's preaching and his voice is carrying to all these people. Well, the boat that he gets into is Simon's boat, Peter's boat. And presumably James and John's boat is, is next to, to Simon's. And he preaches a sermon. And I, I just stop right there because I, I just want to say that there are times when Jesus will get into your boat. And by boat, I, I mean this, like Simon's boat, that was his area of, of expertise, his, his dominion. It was where he knew what he was doing. It was where he had a plan. It was how he earned a living. It was how he was known. Um, Jesus was known as the son of a carpenter. Simon had probably apprenticed as a fisherman and was a fisherman for a long, long time. So his boat represented his life. It represented where he was in control. It represented where he knew what he was doing, maybe even his identity. And there are times in life where Jesus gets into those spaces. And when he enters your metaphorical boat, so think of your life, your identity, your expertise, the place where you feel like you're in control, the place where you feel like you know what you're doing. When Jesus enters those spaces, it's never just because he needs a place to sit. It's never just because he's tired. He's always like wanting to do something there. And I believe that many of us, when we experience that, we experience probably what Simon Peter experienced. It gets a little uncomfortable when Jesus gets into the places where we think we're in control. And that's true for me, and that's true for you, but it happens to every person who sticks around Jesus long enough. He enters into your space, and it gets a little bit tight, a little uncomfortable. The second thing that we see in this text is how it gets uncomfortable. Jesus begins to direct Simon. So it's important to remember, Jesus is the son of a carpenter, Simon is a fisherman, and Jesus gets into Simon's sphere of influence and he says, I would like to tell you something about fishing. And this would be uncomfortable <laughs> because he's basically saying, I'm now going to start directing you in this area of your dominion. I'm going to start pushing on some things. So he says to him, put out, sermon's over, put out the boat into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. So he's kind of pushing Simon's buttons, which leads us to the third thing that happens in this passage, which is that Simon resists Jesus, and then he ultimately does what he says. So if you get uncomfortable when Jesus starts to get into your space and start directing things, you're very normal. You're in really good company. It's a human response when our control or our dominion or our power starts to be threatened. And that's what Jesus does. He gets into the boat and he starts to mess around with things. And maybe you're here right now in this space feeling like Jesus is messing around with some stuff in your life. I know that I feel that way. I mean, facing change and, and opening your hands up and saying, God, we want what you have, whether that's in your marriage or your job or in your health or in your significant relationships, is very uncomfortable work. And I believe that Peter had a choice to make. 
I mean, he pushes back by saying, like, we've, we've done this. We, we were doing this all night. And there, in that, there's a little bit of frustration probably, right? Like, I actually know what I'm doing, Jesus. Like, I, this is my job. You, you build tables. I fish. We've done it all night. And I think that Peter had a choice to make. He, he could at that moment just step back from Jesus and be like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like, we can, let's have a Bible study, but like, let me do my job and, and you do your job. See, he could have misunderstood the conversation thinking that it was really about um, the fishing instead of about something deeper. Because what Jesus was doing in this moment was he was getting into Simon's personal sphere of influence and places where he felt like he was in control and he was kind of pressing there. And I think that Peter had an opportunity to retreat from him, to be like, no, thank you. Like, we, we got it. Let's, let's just go home and have lunch. But he doesn't. He actually presses through his resistance. And maybe you're experiencing some of that same resistance right now. Maybe there are places where you are not sure that you want Jesus to get involved in some spaces. Uh, maybe you are worried that, um, that things will just go wrong or that things won't work out like you hoped they would work out. And there's Jesus, like getting into your space and saying, I, I would like to start directing you in some areas. I would like to start pushing on you in some areas. And effectively, what Jesus says here is, I would like you to get in over your head. I, I would like you to get out into some deeper places. And this was hard for Peter, just like it's hard for you, um, just like it's hard for me. And so I would just ask you this question. Where might you be experiencing some internal struggles relating to God's increased leadership in your life? I think that's actually a really important question for all of us just to ask ourselves. Where am I experiencing some struggle? Where is it hard? I think for Peter, it was about learning to surrender his sense of control over his work and his future. And in some sense, that's probably part of what comes to each and every one of us as we live our lives. We are invited to surrender control. We say it a lot around here that we live our lives with this kind of mythology that we're in control. And when things are going well, like it's easy to believe that. You can just think, well, sure, I'm in control. But the minute that things aren't going so well, we're reminded of what's always been true, which is that we're really not so in control as we'd like to imagine. And here Peter is starting to recognize that might be the very thing Jesus is getting at. And I just would put before you that he may be getting at the same thing in, in all of us. How do you let go of control and hope and look to him? Now, Peter could have said, I know what I'm doing, and we're just not going to go out there again. But the difference in this story is that before Peter was just doing his job, and now Jesus is saying, I'm with you in a very real way, and I want us to go do that job together. I want to bring a new experience of the work you already know. So they go out, and the fourth thing we see in this text is that they catch a ton of fish. Presumably, Peter's boat and James and John's boat are both so filled with fish that they have a new problem on their hands. They've caught so many fish that their boats begin to, to sink. It's just laughing like fruit and success, they carry their own problems. Um, before it was not enough fish and now it's too many fish. It seems like we rarely get to that place of comfortable abundance, you know. It's like either not enough or too much. 
And so Simon Peter actually in this moment, he um, sees something about himself. He sees that he's not in control, but he probably wants to be in control. And so he cries out to Jesus. The next thing is he says, go, go away from me. And I, I just want to say, I don't think he was being like hyperbolic or romantic or sentimental. I, I really think he was seeing something about his own um, frailty, his own desire to be in control. And he was saying like, Jesus, go away from me. I'm, I'm not a good enough person to be in this space with you. And he says, we just, I need you to go away. Again, I think Peter is being tempted in this moment to step back from Jesus, from risk, from life. He's, he's being tempted to retreat to something that feels more in control, safer, but maybe a shallow place. A place where he just says, I'll have this part of my life and you, you can have this other part, but I'll, I'll have this. He wants to back up. And I've been thinking in my own life, where am I tempted to back up? Where am I tempted to not risk, to not open up to something? Maybe you're experiencing some disappointment in your life. Maybe there are places where you feel like you have tried. Um, maybe you're sitting next to someone in, in your own relationship, a family relationship, where you think things aren't like I want them to be and we've tried. And, and maybe there's a hesitancy to, to try again, to press out into deep water. Maybe that's true in your job or, or with your health or in your relationship with God. We have all these places in our lives where we're tempted to retreat back to shallow places where we're really in control or really where we're living under the illusion that we're in control. See, I think Peter was invited three times in this text to move forward when his instincts towards self-preservation were telling him to move backward. And a lot of us find ourselves at these places in life where if we're not careful, we'll retreat into places of self-preservation. I feel tempted to do that. I know you do. We all do. But the reality when we move backward, we move away from those liminal spaces of risk and trust. And um, maybe it's inviting a friend to Alpha. I mean, I'm having lunch in a couple of weeks with someone that was in my Alpha group from two and a half years ago. That relationship has continued. And God is doing really, really cool stuff in that relationship. Maybe for you, it's time to step out in an area where you've been afraid. Maybe it's learning to open up your hands and trust God with a future that you don't quite understand or doesn't feel really awesome to you in the moment. See, we have choices to make all throughout life. Will we move forward? Will we take risks? Will we be vulnerable? And this, the risk with being vulnerable is you can be hurt. You know, if I live my life like this, I may not have deep connection, but I, won't, I maybe won't feel like I'm going to be hurt because I'm protecting my, my most vulnerable space, my heart. But when you open up your arms, there's a chance that you might get hurt. That's true for all of us. But I believe that Jesus wants us to recognize that there are times in life where we're tempted to move backward and he wants us to move forward. And it's really important to hear this. Peter says, go away from me. And to that, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Almost all of your self-preservation is driven by fear. Almost all of the cagey things we say and do are driven by fear. Almost all of it. It's taken me a long time. Like the last 10 months of, of working in my own heart, even before I went away on a leave of absence, you know, I felt the cracks coming um, in May and started to, to see a counselor. I um, stand before you today as a person who is really proud to say that 
I am and will probably forever be in a relationship with um, godly counsel in my life, both spiritual directors and, and therapists. We, we sometimes have to recognize and pay attention to the cracks in life, the places where we're tempted to go backward. I think I turned something off just for the sake of you worship people. Um, rather than forward. Um, and it's what you do in those moments of temptation that define the whole rest of your life. Peter continued to be kind of a messy guy. But in this moment, he moved forward rather than backward. And I believe maybe that's the moment that you're in, the moment I'm in. So what do we do? I believe Jesus primarily right now wants to speak to your fear if you feel stuck. If you feel afraid, he wants to say that's normal your fear is normal, and he speaks to us and says, but what would life look like if you move forward even in the fear and ask me to meet you there? It's really grown-up stuff. Like, this is not kiddie pool spirituality. This is, this is the grown-up stuff of life. Because some of us, maybe many of us, are stuck in somewhat shallow places because we just didn't know how to move forward. And I believe the Lord in his wisdom wants to get us unstuck. I feel it more than ever before in my own life. And I believe that the Lord, I think, is going to invite each and every one of us in our own space to ask him for help and for his with God invitation to move forward. So here's what we're going to do. Before we come to communion, we're going to spend a few moments of, of silence, of quiet together. Um, I, I'm increasingly feeling convinced that if we don't actually stop and, and um, carve out time in a moment like this. We'll just move on and go to lunch and, you know, we'll look for the next sermon or the next podcast. And so um, in, the, in the Psalms, you see occasionally this Hebrew word selah after a psalm or a passage of scripture. And the word means something approximating stop and calmly think about this. So we're going to selah together. We're going to stop and calmly think about what we just looked at in the Bible. So specifically, I would invite you to, to reflect on these couple of things. Number one, where do you feel tempted to retreat rather than move forward? Self-preservation, protection, just disappointment, discouragement. Where, where would you be tempted to move backward versus forward? And then connected to that, where is the Lord asking you to take a step of obedience? It might be with the person sitting next to you in, in a relational moment. It might be a conversation that you're dreading, but you know you probably need to have. It might be opening up and being vulnerable where you would attempt to, to, to hide or to just put on a happy face or whatever. I don't know what it looks like for you. I, I have a sense of what it may look like for me right now. So where are you tempted to retreat? And where might the Lord be inviting you to take a step knowing Jesus is in your boat with you? So it's 11.51, 11.54. That clock is wrong so that we would know that for future reference. We're going to spend a couple of moments in silence and meditation. And I recognize this is probably uncomfortable being quiet, but um, I think it might be good for us. So let's be still for a few moments and then we'll, we'll come to communion together.
if we're able to stand together as we prepare for communion.